warning, the Paper Cuts podcast has bad language and spoilers, so cover your freaking ears. You are now listening to the Paper Cuts comic podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast, issue 110. I'm your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me this week is Mr. Matt Much. Indeed he is. What? Wait. Yes. Hmm. I am? Where? No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Moving on. Not joining us this week is Mr. Dean DeFalco. He is up to his elbows in video editing schmegma. I believe is the uh, the technical term for just reels and reels of film. He's like he's like an old fucking movie projector guy, just splicing shit together. That's how the YouTube's work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Physical it's, reels of it's all real film. Video. <laughs> Jesus! Dan. Every time I click that play button, there's a fucking projectionist somewhere in California. It's like, ah, oh, shit, the fucking cat video again. I get it. I think really we're going back to the Harlem Shake. All right, hold on a second. The funny thing is, I think for a time when I was a child, I thought that's how videos worked. Like there was somebody piecing them together. No, like they were being redone for you. Oh yeah, well, I was, I was a little kid. I didn't understand that there was recording technology. It, it's kind of the wonderful thing about children is that they're so ignorant to the world. But that, that there's wonder and joy and life hasn't beaten the shit out of them yet. But the interesting thing is, at least for me as a child, I remember everything was just immediate assumptions based on the knowledge I did possess. Yep. So, like, I understood that people performed. So somehow loading this plastic cartridge into this box must somehow initiate a performance again like a ticket i don't <laughs> and know they happen they do it the same way every time it's fucking astonishing it, it is amazing i don't know that's why they're it's that's what it is to be an act i don't know i don't know what the thought process was i was just piecing together the very little that i knew well i and that's it's kind of a beautiful innocent thing like there's did you ever read calvin and hobbes yeah lots you, of calvin it. the uh the, the one little strip where Calvin, his dad is explaining things to him and he he gets to the point where where dad is getting frustrated with Calvin as, as he naturally did because um, Calvin is a fucking pain in the ass. But yeah. um, it eventually got to the point where like Calvin asked his dad why why there was wind and his dad said it's because the trees are sneezing. <laughs> You know, and you can imagine that in, in the dad, it's fucking, the trees are fucking steezing. Whatever, fuck you. Um, and then, like, the very next panel was Calvin walking with Hobbes, and he kind of had, like, his arms wrapped around himself, and uh, the trees, Bill Watterson had, had drawn them in such a way as to indicate the motion of them blowing, and Calvin was looking up at Hobbes, and he said, man, the, the trees are really sneezing today. And I just thought it was such a beautiful, wonderful little slice of like everything that was childhood and 
everything that made Calvin and Hobbes so fucking perfect was just encapsulated in that little, trees are really sneezing today, man. Shit, that's good. I'm going to say that to my own kids, and I did say that to my own children, and they looked at me like, Motherfucker, we have YouTube. We watch Ted Ed videos. The trees are not fucking sneezing. What's the real reason there's wind, daddy? When, I don't know, look it up on Ted Ed. I'm sorry. I don't have the answers you seek. Thanks for prematurely uh, maturing my children, Ted Ed. Yeah, really. Jesus Christ. Ted what happened to Seriously. the imagining? But I am impressed you managed to bring it back to comics like that. You like that? Yeah. That's why I get paid the big bucks, my friend. Let's talk about some books that we read this week. So we had a, a, a bunch of books picked out, and then all of us were like, well, fuck, we didn't get those books, so let's read some other books. And uh, kind of just threw it together here at the last minute. And I got to say, not spoiling the issues, but I was pretty happy with what we... Uh, what we ended up with. So let's uh, let's jump with uh, with a valiant number one, Harbinger Renegade number one, uh, written by Rafa Roberts with art by uh, Derek Robertson and Juan Jose Rip. And uh, first of all, I, I know we've talked about this before, but Matt, what is your familiarity with this section of the Valiant universe? I can tell you. My familiarity consists of the time we read Faith Number One. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had made you read some of the other Harbinger shit, like the Harbinger War stuff. Did no, Har no, we read the um, the four. All I can remember is the four thousand and one, and we also read uh, Archer and Armstrong. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah. it's not this section of Valiant. No, no, it wasn't. This Although is... I, I recognize the name of the big guy for some reason. I don't know why. Toyo Harada. Uh, he is, yeah, Harada is kind of the um, the central through line throughout the Valiant universe because he is, he is the big bad guy. Oh, no, the big good guy. Well, not really. No, I mean, I mean, what's the name of the big good guy? They mentioned him. He's on the cover. He's physically large. Oh, um, fucking Torque? Yeah, Torque. I've heard Torque. Was he in the Archer and Armstrong or something? Uh, I, he might have made a guest appearance or two. I don't know. I've fallen, I've fallen behind on that book, unfortunately. Um, because it is really good. I do really like it. But, um, okay, so, so your familiarity with, uh, the Harbinger section of this universe is not, um, not huge. So, to... To kind of just background, they did a really nice job. Um, the first two pages, yeah, the first two pages. Yeah, they were good. They were very informative. Yep, but still interesting without yes. just being a bullet point of like, all right, here's all the shit you need to know. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who don't know or haven't read this book yet, uh, basically in the Valiant universe, they're, for lack of a better term, their their equivalent of mutants are called psyots. And Psyots are humans that have latent abilities that can be awoken in them. I'm trying not to make this about Puzzle and Dragons, but I feel like we're about to get there. Um, they have latent abilities that can be awoken With through... With Tamadras. Tamadra, not through Tamadras. egg creatures. That... <laughs> through plus 297 Tamadras. Um, through, uh, through different processes. 
And unfortunately, the processes were never quite perfected. Um, so sometimes the psyots were activated and sometimes they were uh, killed. So that sucks. You know, I'm going to be a superhero. Fuck, I'm dead. And that, that happens shortly that into the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. In a, in a fucking awful, just brutal, beautiful, but brutal way. But um, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. The, uh, the main... The main Omega level Psyot is Toyo Harada, and he is a a telepath and a telekinetic. Right. And is the strongest strongest of those two subject subsections of powers that there is. And he builds himself this whole big uh, corporation, the Harada Global Conglomerates. Uh says that, you know, basically uh, does Kind of the old Magneto routine of like we're going to keep peace through violence, kind of thing. Um, yeah. But is is taken down by a group of renegade psyots that call themselves the Renegades. Very original. Obviously, creativity is not one of the psyot abilities. It is certainly not. That is not one of the latent abilities that is awoken. But there is a young uh, a young guy named Peter Stanchek who. His power, uh, he is an Awoken Psyot. His power is to the ability to activate other Psyots with a 100% success rate. So this guy is like the fucking, the bee's knees when it comes to Awakening Psyots. Nobody gets killed. It's perfect every single time. Um, He goes against Toyo Harada. Uh, starts this team called the Renegades. Uh, the most popular one of them is Faith. She has her own ongoing book. She is the the plus size superhero that Valiant is publishing every month. It's a great book. Um, they uh, they go on this big fight and they uh, they succeed in taking down Harada, but they also uh, kind of like they hack the the. Uh, computer system of the Harada Corporation and release the names of every potential Psyot on the planet. So the people who didn't even know that they had the potential to be superheroes, everybody knows who they are now. Everybody can look up the list. It's pretty much like you just go to WikiLeaks and you would be able to look this up. And all of this is told in like the first four pages of the book in a fucking beautifully done uh page layouts and art direction in this one i thought uh, minus the the two-page spread in old man logan that we'll talk about because holy shit um but i thought this was so interestingly done as far as a recap is concerned like i thought these pages were incredibly striking um the artwork was just fucking really cool the way it was done it was fucking cool, right? Like, am I am I overselling this? What these initial pages? Absolutely. It was uh, in a kind of an infographic style that you sometimes see around. Yeah, yeah. It really that that's the perfect way to put this. It's not comic book panels. It's done like a really cool infographic. That's all the rage on the internets these days. You see a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, it's it was really fucking cool. The coloring choices were really neat. Um, they really made everything stand out. Fuck, this is really awesome. And then we jump over to a regular comic book, and we get, um, which isn't to say it's bad, because it's 
uh, like the art I thought was really good throughout throughout this entire book. Um, but we start to get the story of Harada and him going after some people, and uh, you know things not things not really going well. Um, there's this pretty cool like they're breaking into or, or trying to break into this dude's mansion, and he's got it all booby trapped, and like the little uh, cherub statues are spitting out poison gas, and apparently. Uh, Diablo, who is this big bloodhound-looking fucking dog. Uh, that's not a bloodhound. Um, boxer? A boxer, maybe, yeah. Bloodhound, way off. Um, apparently he's a psyot, too, because the dude says, like, I don't, we don't want, uh, Harada scanning your brain, which, I don't know, a superhero dog? That's kind of cool. Um, but, the, go through this whole thing, and, uh, we then, so that's told in the past, and then we jump forward, and we get this, this, just the sweet, sweet, innocent, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl is going to be a superhero. She is talking to this dude, Brandon, and he's like, all right, we're going to fucking make you superhero. And she's like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, a, a week ago, I was living a life, and she says, uh, what did you call it? Comfortable drudgery, which means she was uh, fucking well-to-do, like, in her life pretty much was awesome her face is so scary in that frame i know it but it's so it captured it's that it absolutely captured yeah the full that, drink in the kool-aid face oh my goodness this is this is a this cult is the cult i am in i have found my fucking calling i am now a zealot for whatever thing this is i am fucking in hard Hardcore, I am into this. It's, it's an amazing panel. Um, so they they take uh, they take this girl in, and Cassie Del Mundo is about to get some superpowers, but uh, unfortunately, and Fuego, who is leading this little group of people, no, he's uh, not even a no. He is a Saya, yes, of course. His hands are on fire. He's a Human Torch, but he much. is obviously not the Awakener because they strap her into this machine. Which looks and like the she, densest chair from hell, and, and she's so excited. Go pear-shaped. Oh, they go, they go. <laughs> well, well, too yeah. early, too early for spoilers, but oh man, they just her head just explodes. Just explodes. I mean, eyeballs flying every which way, and just blood everywhere, and everybody like was everybody's so watching. Fucking, Everybody, yeah, like the whole the, contingency is watching, and then just there's a crowd of people, and the front row is like a Gallagher show gone completely wrong, which tells you how fucking old I am that I'm making a Gallagher reference. But uh, it tells you Christ. how old I am. I got it. <laughs> well, fair enough. These people are just covered in blood, and Fuego is really upset. Uh, the people they start arguing back and forth about you know like can't just go pick up some uranium radioisotopes at fucking Home Depot, douchebag, and you know so they're they're cutting corners here. But he, he goes, no, it's cool, it's all right. There's other people we can go help, and uh, we meet another one of those guys, uh, a, a young African American man who is studying for his SATs, has no idea that he is a psyot. Um, doesn't know he has this potential. NSA shows up. Uh, they start grilling him about shit. They're, you know, typical uh, douchebag fucking suits. Um, now, don't we know this kid? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I thought uh, he showed up in the f in Faith. I may be wrong. It's possible? I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know. We I'm read so damn much that so damn much that like it is hard to keep it all separate at times, but um his dad comes home, dad had apparently done some time back east. This is out they're out in Los Feliz in California. Um they're all kind of joking around. Kid starts looking up uh, some stuff on Harbinger. We uh, we get some of the the original renegades. Their torque doesn't want to help and and whatnot. So really, long story short, um, the the coalition of people that were trying to awaken Cassie Del Mundo finds this kid. This kid's name is Jay. They find him, and they're like, everything's gonna be fucking awesome. Don't even worry about it. Like. My friends are at your house right now in case the N- NSA shows. He's like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Goes back. His dad's fighting these kids. Uh, and Fuego lights on fire because Faith shows up and she's like trying to rescue him. And they blow up his whole house and fucking dad ends up in the ICU. And this this Enfuego kid is going to be is going to be a fucking problem. And Faith makes it her mission with Axe, who is one of the other renegades. They want to help these people because they did release everybody's name, so now they kind of have a responsibility. But three, uh, two of two of the five renegades are in to help. The other three are just like fucked off. They couldn't be bothered with it. And the uh, the main dude, Peter, is uh, up in space right now because he, he was he's reenacting. Uh... Well, that would have been a funny joke. I forget what it's called. The Fountain. The Fountain with <laughs> there you uh, go. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, the Hugh Jackman movie. Um, yeah, he's he's up in space uh, using his powers. He was a drug addict at a time. Um, he looks to be clean at this point. There's a, it's a very uh, it's very Jesusy. Like they they are not trying to hide what the the look of Peter Stanchek right now. Um, he's got the long hair and the beard and. The way he's kind of floating is a very a, a very Christ-like uh, image, and that's kind of where the book ends. He's coming back to Earth to help these people out. And yeah, um, did he did he actually hear her? Is she a telepath? She's sending him an email. What is it? <laughs> I th- he can hear her um, because he can kind of hear everybody. I think. Like I, I don't know where he's, he's I don't know exactly Superman. what defined his powers yet. Um, but it was it was a really cool panel, um, done really well. The like I said, the artwork was really great. But Derek Robertson and Juan Jose Rip are are very very solid artists. Um, I really dug this. I I'm I'm a huge fan of the Valiant books. I thought this was really great. Um, I wasn't surprised by that. What uh what did you think, Matt? That was very good. Uh, it was very good for stepping into something I knew functionally nothing about. Mm-hmm. This was a good book. It's nice and, to get a, a new universe. Yeah, well, and that's what the Valiant universe has done so well since they rebooted, is they have kept their universe um, very clean. You know, a lot has happened, but you can still jump right into it and get up to speed pretty quickly. Do you know, do they have one universe? Mm-hmm. So somewhere running around is Exo Manowar, mm-hmm. and uh, in their future is the four thousand and one yeah. miniseries. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's interesting. And because there's a warrior, Ninjak, Archer, and Armstrong. It's all um, now like other stuff like Britannia. That book that we read, I that's don't not, know. No, that's 
I don't think that fits into it. Yeah. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, But I do know that the other books do. That's interesting because you got like, you know, real superhero-y superheroes. Mm -hmm. And then you got these much more human superheroes. I don't know. Just because they're not wearing armor and shit. (laughs) And they're not... uh... Yeah, have you ever read any of the Ninjak stuff? A little bit. I picked up a couple just when they... Well, actually, no, I guess I really haven't because I only picked it up when it tied into 4001. Mm. So You you really I, should. It's a fucking dope book. Like, I, I really... You know, I look at this shit, um, you know, month in and month out of, like, what the top of the charts are and whatnot, and, and Valiant stuff should be higher. More people should be reading Valiant books. I wonder There's, why they got... Wonder why they're in a niche. They always were though. Like back in the nineties too, when Valiant was first around and they had Eternal Warrior and Ninjak and Archer and Armstrong and Rye and fucking um the other two books that they had then they had the publishing rights to uh Mag- Magnus, uh Robot Fighter and Solar Man of the Atom, those were both published under Valiant back in the nineties and they tied yeah, them into I've their seen universe. Those, yeah. Yeah, now they're being published by, um, oh, I think Dynamite. Because they were separate creations even when Valiant had them. They were just licensing them. Um, It sounds right. But, yeah, so, like, when they rebooted the universe, they were left out of it. But even back in the 90s, uh, I mean, the Valiant universe, they were certainly selling more copies because everything was selling more copies back. I mean, you just, you couldn't fucking... Like, you trip over comic books, and comic book stores were just everywhere. And everybody had chromium covers, and there was a big, uh... There was a big Valiant and Image crossover called Deathmate. Um, that was fucking terrible. It was so bad. It's not a great name. No, God, it's awful. But, like, I mean, Valiant published some of it, and, like, their creators handled, like, the Valiant side of the story, but it had Image characters in it. Um... And then, like, this was back when Image also kind of kind of had a cohesive universe where, like, Spawn and Youngblood and Shadowhawk and Savage Dragon sort of existed in a tertiary way together. Uh, but then they, like, kind of... It, it was just, it was bad. It was bad. It's, but if you went and bought the book, you got a really shiny blue chromium cover or a red chromium cover. And, like, it, well, was, sure, just, yeah. it was just gimmick gimmicks galore and i don't know if you can if you could find them on like comiXology or whatever it's it's worth checking out because they're just oh boy <laughs> it's just like oh there's a reason a lot of comic book shops went out of business this yeah, is the this, bullshit we were peddling it's too bad i remember um i don't know whatever reason i wasn't into comics as a as a kid mm-hmm. but there was a little comic store right in the center of town Man, I could have gone there whenever I wanted, but I just wasn't into it. It wasn't on my radar. And then it closed. And then, you know, just a few years later, I was like, man, that would have been handy. <laughs> this would have been so much easier. I could have gotten a job there or something. Just I would have changed my entire trajectory. Right? For the better or for the worse. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. But... Harbinger Renegades number one uh, gets a recommendation from the both of us. Go pick up that book. Support the Valiant Universe. It's excellent superhero comics. Yeah, um, support Valiant. 
with a universe you can understand. You don't have to have any prior knowledge, really, of as Matt is testament to. You can jump right in. It's true. You don't have to. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Thanos number one, the first of our two Jeff Lemire books this did week. Did we read two? Yeah, we, we did, did, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's he's always he's high on my list. He's doing so, good work. He's so good. He's so good. Um, you know, because here's a book about Thanos who, for as much fun as Thanos is, and I like can Thanos be. as a villain. Depending on who's writing him, he can be. Yeah. It's, they've almost written themselves into the Superman problem with Thanos. Of when you have a character that is that powerful, like, what story can you really tell? And Infinity. Uh, well, yeah. The ones that are done really well, though, are kind of told around Thanos. And that's kind of how this story is, is working as well. Um, it's written by Jeff Lemire, um, or Lemire, I don't know how you say it, with art by Mike Diodato. And, He's uh, good. Yeah, Mike, Mike Diodato's fucking great. Um, we, get, uh, we get the story of the, the Black Quadrant. This just awful, awful sector of space that is just all the bad motherfuckers are in the Black Quadrant. And this quadrant is ruled by Corvus Glaive. And for a time, Corvus Glaive was a, a servant of Thanos. He, uh, you know... Yeah, he, in Infinity, right? Yeah, yeah. Corvus Glaive is pretty badass. Um, he's a cool-looking character. He he was basically Thanos' whipping boy at the point. Um, I mean, I, do, I don't know that slave is the right word for it, but, but pretty much, I mean, that's kind of what the relationship was. Um, but Thanos, this it's territory... part of his cabinet of doom. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Black Quadrant used to be ruled by Thanos. Thanos has abandoned it, and Corvus Glaive has taken it over. And he is ruling with a firm but fair hand. And then one day, Thanos returns. And I thought that was so cool the way they did this in the book because they're telling this story about Corvus Glaive and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going through all these panels and then the panel just says, and then, and we get a picture of boots smashing into the ground and then there's a double-page spread that is just a galaxy, like just the space giant fuck letters Thanos returns like alright I'm in I'm yep we're good thanks Jeff yes. Lemire you're, you're good at this shit and uh Thanos proceeds and yeah. he's not happy no and he is unhappy which I don't know that Thanos has ever been happy he's very moody he really is just a fucking bitch baby I can just, I can relate <laughs> You and Thanos are very... Yeah, he's got a crush uh, on a woman he can never have. Yeah, well... And he just gets surly. He just gets fucking his panties in a twist about it. So Thanos uh, Thanos comes back, starts fucking up everybody in, in the Black Quadrant. They send a tank after him. He just kind of looks at it and then destroys it with his hands because he's fucking Thanos. Uh, walks his way back over to uh, to the throne room, pretty much, where Corvus Glaive is. And Corvus Glaive is talking some shit, and and just in the 
the badass way that Thanos does things. Corvus Glaive says to him, you know, it is mine now, Thanos, and I am prepared to die for it. To which Thanos responds, yes. Yes. Yes, you, you are. are. <laughs> it's like, ah, fuck, man. That's some cold-hearted shit. That is just fucking cold-blooded, man. You can hear it in Josh Brolin's voice, too. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm excited for him as Thanos. It's going to be good. I don't love Josh Brolin as an actor. No? Like, no, I really don't. I, he, doesn't, he doesn't blow my skirt up <laughs> in the, for the most part. But in this role, I'm pretty excited about it. As an aside, did you see Doctor Strange yet? I did. You did? All right. We'll talk about that at the end. I'm Good. excited. I won't, all right. Um, so then we jump out over to uh, across the galaxy. Uh, a Lobo ripoff is hunting for Star Fox is pretty much what you need to know. Now, have we ever met this guy before? Not to my knowledge. We've met Star Fox. Yeah, Star Fox. Um, He's a Thanos's weird character. Brother Eros, one of the Prince of Titan. Um, he he's been around forever. <clears throat> this guy, um, whose name I have already forgotten, but I'm gonna get to it now. Uh, Trico Slatteris. That's uh, right. How could you forget? Right, the self-proclaimed champion of the universe. Is uh, has been hired, apparently, by Thane, son of Thanos, to track down people that are needed for the coming fight to kill Thanos. He's assembling a Dark Avengers. I mean, they're not calling it that. It's just kind of what he's doing. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and he wants then... Star Fox. Yeah, well, Star Fox is kind of cool in small doses. Yeah, He's, he's having sex with a tiger lady and a snake. Can't beat that. I mean, if you're going to do it, you know, fucking try it once. You never know. You might like it. I'm just anyway. trying to remember the <laughs> sex organs of a snake from biology class. I don't think it's... Uh, yeah, but this is a space snake. It's so a it's right. right. Space, which gave us owl tits. There, well, there you uh, go. Yeah, all right. I got snake you. Snake tits. Yeah, we're in. Uh, so that we cut back to uh, Thanos and Corvus Glaive are fighting. Corvus <clears throat> Glaive, uh, his life force is tied to this the blade he has on the staff. And uh, Thanos destroys it uh, after Corvus begs him not to uh, break it. And Thanos is like, not the face, not the face. <laughs> Thanos pretty much tells him, like, now you beg. Like, if you had not begged, I might have let you live. But now that you're begging, I want you dead quicker. Yeah, fuck just you, gross. That's why. Don't beg. Ew. <laughs> and, he, and he gives him a choice. Uh, this is like, this is the shit I love about Thanos when he's written well. Um, he gives him the choice. He says, you know, your blade, I broke your blade. You're going to die. So here are your options. You can kill yourself and be done. Or, or you can let me kill you. And I'll make you suffer. Either, and, and you're going to suffer a lot. Either way, you're going to die. And so then on do the you next, have the balls to kill yourself, or, you, the, or or do I have to? Then on the next page, sorry, I jumped the gun. No, no, go ahead. They do the most incredible sniveling face for Corvus yeah. Glaive as Just, he picks up the pieces of his own destroyed life force blade and kills himself. I, it is Corvus Glaive. For those of you who don't know, has very. A very pronounced pointy chin has some fangs 
some sticking up from his bottom row of teeth that like blood stick red out eyes. His, yeah, blood red eyes. And in this panel, Mike Diodato has captured an emotion. Sniveling is the perfect word for it. You look at it and you can imagine the just the okay. I guess this is what I have to do. Like the sadness. He's got the look on his face of a puppy that you're scolding for peeing on the rug, but you didn't even take it out. Yeah. He's like, I didn't mean to. But I had to pee. Like the the puppy is looking at you as if the puppy has a better understanding of the biology of the body than you do. But he's still in trouble for it. Almost makes you sad to see that Corvus Glaive is gone. And then he commits seppuku with his own blade, fucking kills himself. Damn, son. Thanos takes back his throne, and then we find out that not only is Thane collecting people to fight Thanos, not only is Thane being manipulated by the love of Thanos' life, Lady Death, who looks... The panel... There's three panels when Lady Death shows up. And Lady Death has always been drawn... I, I should stop saying Lady Death. That's a whole other character. Death. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Death has always been drawn as a very attractive... Uh, well, not always, but more... Has been drawn as an attractive woman in the portrayal. But in the first panel that she shows up, she as she is walking up to Thane, face is a skull which is how she was introduced originally and I thought it was so smart and so subtle but so good yeah because she's far away you might not even catch it yeah it was just a a beautiful little touch from Mike Diodato and it's and a good line too yeah I was, oh god it was just is Thane uh, death approaches Thane and he says I didn't hear you arrive and she says, no one ever does. It's just so good. Oh, I fucking got douche chills from that, man. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Meyer is so good. He's really good. I mean, oh, God. So we know, we now know that Thane is being manipulated by death. Um, she is obviously, because that is what she does. She is a manipulator. Um, but she says, you know, because Thane is doubtful. I, I'm not sure that we have enough power to defeat Thanos, he is basically a fucking god at this point. And Death says, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Thanos is dying. And the last page is Thanos having removed his helmet, bleeding from his nose and his mouth, and his hand that he had coughed into is also covered in blood. And it was like, oh, fuck. I'm in. It's I'm nuts. in. I'm in. It's a new side. I'm in. I, I fucking, I loved it. I loved it. It's really good. Ah, sorry, I have to get a, a sip of my pap here. It's fine. Keep the up. only thing that threw me off was that uh, Death is, as, is a surprised Metal Gear Solid soldier. <laughs> she's got exclamation points on her face for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that's a thing. You're right. I hadn't noticed that until now. I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't. I didn't connect it to Metal Gear, so I can't unsee that now. So thank Oops. you. Oops. <laughs> Thanks for that. 
I'll shop it out of the the next issue. Please for you. do, please do. Just, just like I want to send you the issue so you can take like a black sharpie and just scribble over them. I just call, I just call Mike Diodato. I was like, look, man, I I fucked up. Can you do me a solid? <laughs> can you, can uh, you my friend it? Dan, he can't unsee this thing I said. You just change how you depict death in the rest of the Thanos miniseries. I mean, I Thanks. know you had already decided. I know but, they've already gone to press, but, I mean... But if you, if you could see your way to, uh... Yeah, fuck, man. I, I thought this was really great. It's just gonna be, like, it's just a minute. I think it's four issues. Um, four or five. Maybe I I'm wrong. Thing. Um, I, but, I don't know. But, man, I mean, fuck. Put Jeff Lemire's name on something, and I'm in. Yeah, I mean the the dude can do no wrong, as as far as I'm concerned. But great book, um, definitely pick this up. Pick this up. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even say wait for the trade for this. Like, I I think this is something worth picking up now. You're gonna want to follow it. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's jump over to image um, and talk about reborn uh, issue number two. This was the. Uh, Mark Millar, Greg Capullo, uh, new Millar World uh, entry that launched uh, last month. A huge, huge launch. I mean, sold out everywhere. It was the number one selling book and, and all that shit. And uh, what was awesome was, I mean, I know I like Mark Millar, but then, uh, like, the first page is the Millar World checklist. And it was like, man, Mark Millar is really good. Running down he's, the Millar world stuff. Kick-ass doing hit a girl, lot of shit. Empress, Huck, Chrononauts, MPH, Starlight, Kingsman, The Secret Service, which is an amazing fucking movie as well. Jupiter's Circle, Jupiter's Legacy, Super Crooks, Superior, Nemesis, Wanted, and American Jesus. Fuck, there is not a bad book in that bunch. Not one. I mean, just... God damn. Anyway, so... Reborn... To catch you back up in case uh, in case you didn't hear the last show or you haven't read the book yet, is the story of an old woman named Bonnie who was a school teacher and she dies and wakes up in a place called Adistria and she is the savior of Adistria. She is reborn as a fucking super heroine badass apparently this and is it, what happens when you die apparently this is just what happens when you die everyone's you got it wrong yep. this is what happens which this would be awesome this i would be looking forward to it's better than some um, alternatives right everybody that she's ever known and loved is there theoretically we assume we can't find mom we can't find her husband um there was strong allusions to her husband uh, because everybody goes either here when they die or they go to the Darklands, right? Is that what they called it? Yeah. Yeah, they go to to the Darkland. Um, so there there were some pretty strong allusions or, or some hints, some winks, some nudges that her husband and her mother may be over in the Darklands. But what they did also they said, do? Right? They also said that... Um, this book, I, I can't wait to talk about, like, the last page. So fucking awesome. Um, 
they also did say because she she's there with her dad and her dog from when she was a kid on earth um her dad says you know i've been looking for your mother for years i've never found her because this place is huge there are still large large portions of it that i've never seen um they are uh they're returning back to to the main city in Adistria. um her dad is kind of catching her up on things and she's like why how am i in my 20s like why why am I here? And she's, her dad says, I don't, we all come through at different times. I was three when I was born here. Like, I I don't know. It just, it is what it is. This is fucking what happened. It's Some weird. You old. can still age. Yeah, but you still age. Like, this is another life. So, yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, they, they get back to the town of Adistria. Everybody is fucking excited. The fairies, apparently... Uh, were correct, and her dad, Big Tom, um, I was gonna sneeze. Bless <coughs> you. Ah, thank you. Um, her dad went out and found her. The townspeople are really excited because, like I said, she is, she has been foretold to be the savior. Um, between the fight between uh the good people of Distria and the bad people of the Darklands under the rule of Golgotha, which. I believe was oh, the yeah. shit monster in, um, it fucking ah oh, god damn it! What's the movie? Uh, uh dogma. Dogma. Isn't that the Golgotha? That's the shit monster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Anyway. I'm um, just trying to. So now again, something I'm not going to be able to unsee. Every time I see Golgotha, now I'm going to think shit monster. Yeah, um, it's right outside where Jesus was crucified. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, um, the thing in the Kevin Smith movie. Either way. Either way. Um, so, like, people are talking to Bonnie, and they're like, hey, do you remember me? And she's like, oh, Mrs. Watchel, my neighbor? Like, she's meeting people that, like, have been dead for years. And you can recognize them somehow. But she's still recognizing them because they look like they used to when they were younger. Um, oh, I so wonder if everybody is the age that Bonnie remembers them. Because she's super important. I wonder if that's why people pop in at particular points. Hmm. They didn't say that. There's no reason to think that. But just thought of it. Well, but... That... Well, because that... See, that's a fucking interesting thought. Because if her dad was reborn in this world when he was three... But she would remember him best at early middle age which is the time he had to age to by the time she showed up almost as if this is all planned out already but that's total guess absolutely but I like it it's an interesting theory it's my head cannon yeah that's fucking good I like it anyway so uh so they're talking about shit and um you know uh the the elders of the village come and give her like this sacred sword that she is you know this is her thing that she's gonna fucking you know like lead the resistance with and they're having a big party and she sure. goes to them assume and, she can use a sword yeah here here you go um and they said you know pretty much uh we need you to do this and she says to them give me a month I want to go find my husband and there is a panel here um at the bottom of the page that is just dad's eye and it 
this panel told me that her husband is in the darklands. Just the, the worried look of a father who knows some shit that he doesn't want to tell his kid. Hmm. See, this is around the time the book started to feel weird to me. It got a little weird. Well, it might be a different reason. I don't know. It's a different reason probably for me. Just because I started to feel, especially in contrast to the way that the first issue set up her arrival here mm -hmm. with like a fight that made the Braveheart fight look like nothing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But then you took something that you very deliberately um, uh, 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 illustrated to be just this massive world with this massive struggle happening and they're waiting for this defining moment when this woman would arrive. And then issue two takes that story and just squishes our, our field of view kind of down to about as small as it could possibly be. We're dealing with half of a family looking for the other half of a family. You can't get more like nuclear than that. So we're just literally we're putting off preparing for a universal war because she really wants to know where her mom is or her dad. Wait, what? Her husband. Her husband. Sorry, mm -hmm. I got confused because they mention everybody. <laughs> they do. But yeah, like, okay, let's let's boil this down about as tight as we possibly can. And I say that's a really weird scope change from issue one to issue two. It is, but I think maybe if you if you think about right, if if you were confronted with the reality that upon your death you would be transported to a place and everyone you had ever known or loved was there. Along well, with everyone's people, there. Along with some people you're meeting for the first time. And um, fairies. And fairies. And you had spent a life with somebody who had died 15 years before you did. Wouldn't that be your first thing? Yeah, it very well might be. But then... Even if you were the savior of the universe... Uh, nobody. Wouldn't you get there and be like, no, I'm going to handle this shit first. But like nobody's gonna be like, um, they're they're at the gates. <laughs> um, actually, uh, Bonnie, they're like they're here already. Look, Sorry. I understand. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to take in, <laughs> but um, but you're kind of a big deal. Yeah, I don't know how to tell we, you this. We've been, we've been waiting for quite a while, and um, I don't want to scare you, but there's <laughs> like a blood minotaur. <laughs> and Mojo and the Cheshire mm -hmm. Cat just plotting mm -hmm. to kill all of us mm -hmm. right now. So maybe, maybe your husband can wait. Maybe like we'll an, run into him. May, who knows? It's a grand. Yeah, I know. I know. They got our people on pikes. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe it's not all about you. The cat's mad that you cut off its nuts. <laughs> Spoilers. We're almost there. 
<laughs> Where are both there? So dad, uh, dad is making a face. Um, he's making the uh, fuck. I don't want to tell my kid the truth face, and I recognize that face because even though my kids are only seven, I've made that face already a few times, and it's it's a fucking. It's the most helpless feeling in the world. Oh, of like, my kid is asking me a question, or they want to go do something, and I know I have to let them do that, do it. Or I know I have to answer the question or let them find the answer. And I know that it's going to upset them. Yeesh. But they have to as part of growing up. You know, it's like, spoilers, if there are any little kids listening, please fucking skip ahead for like a minute or two. Please. Oh, my God. This is your warning. I will give you this fucking time. I've said fuck enough. You should not be listening anyway. But like if you're under the age of like. 13. I don't 13 and you're with your parents and you're listening to this or your older brother or sister please skip ahead 2 minutes. Okay, you should have skipped ahead by now. This is the look that a parent make makes when their kid asks them if there is actually a Santa Claus. Yeah. And you have the fucking moral dilemma of do I tell my kid the truth? And what happens when I do? That's that's the face that dad makes here. Makes it makes it totally reasonable to just to to not have kids. Oh my it, god! It really and Greg Capullo is so good that with an eyebrow and an eyeball, all of that is conveyed in this panel. Fucking stunning. Anyway, um. So we get there, they go on the trip, uh, they have to find, like, the queen of the fairies, um, who happens to be her best friend when she was younger, except now she's, like, 30 feet tall, and she was, she was very religious, and is very upset that upon her death, she found out that everything she had believed in was a fairy tale. So, It's also you know, very funny that the queen of the fairies is giant. <laughs> is huge. Uh, she kicks Bonnie and Big Tom, her dad, and, and Roy Boy the dog out after uh, a pretty cool little fight scene. Um, she tells her she's not going to help her. She doesn't care about her. But we find out that she actually kind of does because the fairies were like, hey, isn't that the girl you were talking about? Um, then we get uh, the, the close of this book as Bonnie and her father start off on their journey now without the help from the Queen of the Fairies, who... We all know is going to turn around and help her. Oh, yeah. We, there's probably fairies following them right now. Right? We then go to the Darklands with a cat walking upright. A cat soldier. Um, and Golgotha is coming up out of the blood of, uh, of the Adistrians that have been captured. They're, like He's swimming in a pool of their blood. Uh, the cat's name is General Frost. Uh, he apparently has like magical powers and... Uh, he is he has told Golgotha that this is the woman that is going to challenge him and Golgotha uh you know asks, are you sure and his response is so fucking like I hope this I I hope this is what happens. General Frost's response, he's a cat, remember, says, I was her pet in the old world. She caused me a lot of pain. My testicles were removed when I was nine months old. He this bad. was her this was her cat that she had, that they neutered, and he's now an evil ice wizard. 
See, again, though, the scope is so <laughs> tight. The, the general that they're going to face in the war is her cat. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's a cat. It's her cat. It's her cat. I fucking love this book. It's weird, man. It's fucking strange. It is a strange, strange book. But I hope that in the next life, I have to fight a battle against every pet that I've ever had spayed or neutered. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that is what the afterlife is. is. That is your Valhalla. I hope I am reborn as a badass Viking that has to fight my old dog, Champ. Oh, my God. (laughs) God, I want that. That's what I want. My goodness, that sounds awesome. Fucking buy this book. In my opinion. Matt, buy this book? Yes, no? Yeah. Yeah. It's got all the the critical acclaim. If If you read any reviews, you're probably buying this. If you like art. You're probably buying this. God, it's so good. Only so people good. who shouldn't buy this. Skip issue one if you're in the midst of an existential quandary. It's a little rough. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, go for it. Yeah, if, if you're like at the point where a lot of us have been, um, and I'm speaking, I say a lot of us, but I'm speaking for myself here at this point. If you're at that point where you are questioning faith, as a belief system and religion as a possibility skip issue ma- one maybe this isn't the book for you right now two is okay two's okay i'm prepared to say you, two is okay it might push you one way or another and i don't know that mark millar and greg Oops. capullo should be responsible for either your reaffirmation of faith or destruction of faith i don't, I don't think know they're that, uh sanctioned prophets I don't think so. Well, I, I don't know. Malar might be. He, he is doing. That. He is doing the Lord's work, my friend. Some would say. Anyway, buy this book. Reborn. Absolutely amazing. Um, last book of the week, uh, and then we're going to talk about Doctor Strange briefly. Old Man Logan, Jeff right. Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino, issue number thirteen, part five of the Last Ronin. Um. This had, okay, so the story has been um, Logan and Deathstrike and Shohei and all of this crazy shit that's been going on, and we don't have enough time left in the show to really get into it, but he's there's gonna, a little boy. He's encountered, old man Logan's encountered the Reeve, Reavers? The Reavers, yep. In Japan. Mm-hmm. And who's the boy? A mutant. He isn't, yeah, he's a mutant. He's just a mutant. He's not related or anything. Mm-mm. Okay, so you got a three-eyed mutant, mm-hmm. and they're they're in a well. And this little boy is prophesized by Shohei of the uh, of the Reavers to lead them to glory, evil, fucking, rat bastard glory, but glory nonetheless in their eye. May or may not be true. May or may not be true. And he. They're down in a well. Uh, Lady Deathstrike and Logan and this little boy are down in the well. And um, the boy kind of explodes them up out of the well. And Yuriko or Lady Deathstrike says, fuck it, I'm just going to kill him. Enough of this bullshit. 
and uh, this little boy creates a construct body around himself. He's Akira. Yeah, it, I mean, this really was Akira with like... Which is the second time Marvel has directly ripped off Akira. It's okay, though, because if you're going to rip something off, it might as well be Akira. It might as well, yeah, all right. Um, Logan then starts talking to the boy, trying to reason with him. Um, hey, man, be cool. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Shohei and the rest of these guys start fucking attacking Logan. Um, we get a flashback here of Logan. Um, well, after he fucks these guys up quite violently, um, fighting Shohei. Uh, we get a flashback to Logan and Maureen in the Wastelands for the original Old, old Man Logan storyline where she tells him, you know, this is after the world has gone to shit and she tells him that she's pregnant and, you know, Logan says, I'm never going to be Wolverine again when I look at you, even with all of the shit that has happened to me in my life, the years and years and years that I've lived, I look at you and... I think that I can start over, and you make me want to start over. Fuck yeah, we're going to have this kid. Even in this fucked up world, we're going to have this baby. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, very optimistic, especially for Logan. Especially for Logan. So we then cut back to uh, Logan is is talking to this little boy. Um, You know, he's saying, you know... uh, these guys, they're gonna, they're gonna fucking manipulate you. They're gonna do this shit to you, you know. And he tells the kid, like, look, you, you've got crazy powers. Look into my head. Like, I'm fucking here, back in this world that I do not belong in. You oh, don't that's the spread me. you're talking about. Yeah, you oh, don't believe God. me. Fucking take a look. And this, this boy comes out of this construct body, touches his head to Logan's, and then the best two-page spread that I have seen by far this year. It's amazing. It's a it's a mosaic of like every panel out of Old Man Logan. It is stunning. It's remarkable art. They should sell it as a 24 by 36 print. I, I would buy the shit out of that. It is this incredible... It, oh my god. It, it is just... You know, I, I didn't have a chance to uh, to read the books until today. And I was flipping through Reddit, and uh, I saw on my, you know, my feed on Reddit, it said, uh, Sorrentino Unleashed, uh, Old Man Logan number 13. And I didn't click on it, and I'm glad I didn't, because this image would have then been ruined for me and not happened in the context of the book. I am positive that this is what they're what that post was about and it had you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, of upvotes on it because it is it is fucking staggering how gorgeous this is it, it, the mosaic is done so intelligently to where the left hand side of the page it's a two page mosaic the left hand side is logan's face in profile and the right hand side is as if all of his memories are exploding out of his head and it's just it's the it's one of the best two pages 
two-page spreads I've ever seen in, in you know, the 20-something years that I've been reading comic books. That This has blown me away. I, it's remarkable. I, like, I'm looking at it right now, and, and words, there are, there are not words to describe this. It is, this is worth the price of the book alone. Just to look at this page for hours. So many little, oh, fuck, it's stunning. Anyway, um, so the boy sees all of Logan's memories and is like, fuck, <laughs> how did that happen? You were there, and now you're here. I'm going to need an explanation. I'm, it's like, alluding to the end of um, Battle World. Right. And Logan responds to the kid like, I don't know. And I'm, I, it's happening to me. And I don't know. I don't know any of this. But what I do know is that right now, you can either go with fuckface over here, or you can choose to do the right thing. Come with me. I'll take you to the X-Mansion. We'll get you some help. It'll be awesome. And Shohei's like, no, fucking kill him. You pussy, stop being a bitch. We thought you were the savior, but you're turning out to be a little fucking just stop... Stop being such a bitch. Fucking kill Logan. Ah. And the kid freaks out, blows up a bunch of shit, um, doesn't kill the Reavers and doesn't kill Shohei. Um, and he says there's already been enough death. And he apparently makes flowers and butterflies grow just instantly with his mind. And another just beautiful piece. Um, an undefined set of powers. Yeah. Logan says, you know, I'm going to take you to the X-Mansion. It's going to be awesome. Um, we then, we, we cut back to Logan and Maureen riding through the wastelands, riding through the desert. You know, Logan's wearing the cowboy hat, and they, they find their home, the place where Old Man Logan start, or where the Old Man Logan storyline starts. Um, and that was the end of the book. Fucking amazing. Just... Holy shit, this book. This is the best thing Marvel is publishing. Is it over? I don't think so. Because it said end. It, is it the end of this arc, or is it the end of Old Man Logan? I think it's Because they're rebooting the X-Books. Right. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I have not been reading the solicitations. I have not been keeping up with it. So Good for you. It's It's very possible that it is. And if it is... Um, that would be a damn shame, but what a fucking run this has been. I mean, uh, we've talked about most of them. Just uh, absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. But <clears throat> anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into Doctor Strange real quick. Into the film. Doctor Strange. Now, I'm going to go out and say that I called in sick to work. So I could go see this movie. Yeah, you had to see a doctor. I had to go see the doctor. Didn't say which lying. one. I didn't say which doctor. I said doc I didn't say I was going. I said I have to go to the doctor. And I did. I saw Doctor Strange about a week ago. It's amazing. Um little a little over a week <laughs> ago. And my initial reaction of the film was I walked out going, hmm. Well, and that was the first time that that had been my reaction to a Marvel movie. Yeah, I felt a little similarly. 
as I've thought about it, though, as I've stewed on it, I've liked it more and more. Good. What is your opinion on it, Pat? Well, like I just said, I was a little <laughs> on it as well. I wasn't sure about some of the choices in direction. That um, was my feeling, too. Because it was a little... I mean... The attempts... I guess what it... Yeah, what it really was... Their attempts to drop in humor... To mm -hmm. lighten things... Mm -hmm. I think... All of them... Except maybe one... Were really weird... The, Scott Derrickson who is the director of this film has directed a bunch of horror movies before this. He directed... Well, why did they give him this project? This is not a horror movie. Right. Um, I don't know. But he directed one of the Hellraiser films um, and then he also directed Insidious yeah. and Insidious 2, I think, or he wrote Insidious 2. Insidiouser. The Insidiouser, um, which I thought was terrible. I did not like Insidious. I thought it was a terrible movie. And I was, this was the first time when I had seen a, an announcement when they were like, Scott Derrickson's directing Doctor Strange. I was like, oh, man, this might be the one that they fuck up. Like, this... This might be the one. And I would say that this is the closest it has come to missing the mark. Yeah, the problem with the problem with a Marvel movie is that they're all really good to exemplary. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately they even produced Ant Man. Even Ant Man. It's a really good movie. It's a great movie. It is a great heist film. The problem is they went and produced what has pretty much come to a good movie. Right. A and, very good movie. And you've written yourself into a huge hole if somebody comes away and says, that was a good movie. And that's like the worst movie you've made. Yeah. It's yeah. a problem. Um, One of the things Marvel, up until this movie, this is the first marvel movie that has been released without the marvel creative team oh really so the creative team was joe casada and brian michael bendis and a bunch of other creators that basically sat on a panel and influenced the movie all the movies up to doctor strange have been made with this team this is the first one without this is also i think the first marvel movie that is not a genre film because while they have all been superhero films ant-man is a, a heist movie it's a heist movie with superhero trapping um captain america the winter soldier is a spy thriller with superhero trappings okay i see what you're saying you see what like every marvel movie up to this point has been it's just this but with superheroes this movie, I, I felt like it was struggling to find its identity, and I agree with you entirely that I think the problem that I had with this film was the choice 
that the choices that a director makes. There is a scene where the Kate, the the cloak of levitation, right, or the cloak of uh, what the fuck do they call it in the movie? Yeah, the cloak they? of levitation. Yeah, Doctor Strange's fucking red cloak is um, borderline sentient, right? Kind of has a mind of its own in the film, and there are two moments in here that, with a different directing choice, would have played out differently. There's in the current Doctor Strange comic book, he has been seen wielding a battle axe, and it's fucking cool. Yeah, in the current, yeah. And in the movie, there's a scene where they are fighting at Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. It's not his yet, but they are at the Sanctum Sanctorum in the village in New York. Um, and as he is fighting um, the the main bad guy, whose name I, I've just drawn a blank on, because in my head it said Malekith, and that's from Thor. Right, I just... I just lost it. Too. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, he's fighting... The, the main bad guy shows up, and Doctor Strange starts running to grab the axe to fight him. This is... I mean, he hasn't had too much training, although that's another problem with the film, the sense of time. It appears to be that Doctor Strange gets into a car accident and is a master of the mystic arts a week later. I think they mention really quick that it's been a year. Even that doesn't seem like it's been long enough. No, because he's... <laughs> he's. Well, they didn't make him Sorcerer Super... Well, they did... Well, I, I don't know. It's well, it's too short. It's too short. Yeah. The, the, time, the time was off. But as Dude shows up, he runs to grab the axe because he doesn't have enough training he's not as confident in in his mystical abilities yet there's a battle axe over here i'm gonna grab the axe and i'm gonna fuck fight this guy and uh the cape stops him like the cape straightens itself out to hold him back and it was like okay and then dr strange knows better right the dr strange tries to run to the battle axe again and the cape stops him again. And then, in a very Scooby-Doo kind of way, Benedict Cumberbatch starts running towards the axe in place while the cape is pulling him back. It's tonally uh, not right. It was a cartoon. Like, that. that is, it was absolutely, if you can imagine in your mind a Bugs Bunny cartoon of Bugs Bunny holding another character by the pants as that character is trying to run away and they're not getting anywhere, that is exactly what this looked like. They put, and, the, they put the bongos under under his footsteps. And... Yeah, like it would have been perfect in an old Looney Tunes cartoon. And tonally, you're right, in the midst of this film, for this to drop in was weird. It took me completely out of the film. Yeah, it was weird. There's another moment with the cape where um, Strange is crying at a point. And he has like a, a tear rolling down his face. And the cape wipes it off. Well, that's way more subtle. That's all right. 
but then the cape wipes it off like four more times. Like it kept flapping in his face. Well, Dan, it's a cape. <laughs> but it was doing it on purpose. Like as a joke. It was weird. Yeah, I know. The other moment that I had a big problem with is that they try to make Doctor Strange very funny in this movie, like whippy almost. Um, and there's some moments between Strange and Wong where Wong never laughs at anything. He just like that. That's the, the kind of running line in the film is that Wong takes everything very, very serious. Because he does. And, well, yeah. And, and he should. At the end of the movie, um, Wong laughs at something. But, Heartily. But if he had just been like, <laughs> it would have been fine. This guy laughs like you are tickling a five-year-old. Like, if you've ever gone over to, like, your little nieces or nephews or little brother, little sister, like, when you tickle a little kid and they just lose their shit, that is how Wong laughs here. And it is so out of place in the film and the character. It just, it was a directorial choice where I went, man, I want to see the other cut of that movie. I want to see the cut where he just kind of chuckles. That would have worked to me better. I don't know, man. Emotions are running high. You just uh, <laughs> canceled the apocalypse, you know. That's kinda... a fair point. Um, all but the that... joke that they gave away in the trailer... Right. Where he gives him that uh, that strange word, and he says, what is this, my mantra? Mm-hmm. He says, no, it's the Wi-Fi password. Mm-hmm. That's funny, but that fit. Yeah, that was okay. That, like, that sort of worked and made sense. The The rest of the jokes... Um, really felt like they were trying really hard. Like, some of his dialogue did fit because he's so full of himself as a mm-hmm. character, he would think he's just a hilarious guy. Mm-hmm. So that kind of works. But, like, the other other things, like Wong's laugh and just things. The cave uh, thing really bothered. Yeah, it was just so slapsticky. It really, it really, like, I... I I get that these are superheroes and the movies are supposed to be fun, but it was a Scooby-Doo cartoon. For a second. For a second. And that really sucked. That being said, as as I have thought about the film, the more that I've seen it, it's a really good movie. Like, Doctor Strange is a really weird character to begin with. To try and translate that and to be to be bringing the magical side of the Marvel universe to the screen for the first time. It's a tall order. It's a very tall order. I think they should have gone with a different director. You know, it, it's when they made the first Thor movie, Kenneth Branagh needed to direct that film. He needed to bring a serious Shakespearean view to this character. They did not do that. They did not do that with this film. This film needed a better director. With a better director, this could have been the best Marvel movie. As it stands now, it is a very good film, but I would say probably towards the bottom of the Marvel movies. I mean, you know they were holding everything back in the name of, um, what's, um, like, 
accessibility to the widest possible audience for this bizarre topic. Absolutely. And that's that's always affects a movie. It does. That all of that being said, the special effects are awesome. Amazing. Um the ancient one fucking cool as shit. Really awesome. I mean, it's it she killed I it. I guess it could say yeah, she killed it. It I mean, kind of flies in the face of all the controversy. I mean, obviously some people are still going to be pissed that the ancient but one is Asian. Out, isn't Asian and isn't a dude. I know. Yeah. But it was pretty awesome. Yeah, she was fucking great. She was so great. Baron Mordo, just... very cool. Mm-hmm. The shit with Dormammu, very cool. Yeah, I mean, it was it was risky to even go with Dormammu. Yeah, like uh, as the villain because he's so nuts. But uh, they did it, and it it was good, and. The whole climactic fight was very different and very good. It was very cool. That especially the the special effect production of Strange and Mordo and Wong and their progression towards the sanctum that was in Japan moving forwards in time while the rest of the world was going backwards in time was very cool and that's a very weird sentence it's one of those things where you really just have to see it to understand but it was very cool it is another potential problem i mean how can you have strange involved in the infinity war if he can manipulate time he's pretty much set well but the uh, theoretically he is going to lose that gem at some point because thanos is going to get all of them Okay, that's a good point. So, um, I I'm I am hopeful that there's a different cut of this film that comes out when it releases on Blu-ray because I there was there was a couple things missing in this movie. Um, the sense of time of how long it takes Strange to become a master of the mystical arts. They did a couple cool things where, like, his astral form was studying while he was sleeping. So, like, he could study he muttered more. about him having a photographic memory. His photographic memory. Like, all of that is fine. But even so, it really does feel like a week. Oh, yeah. And that was a problem. Um, I, am, I am very excited for his inclusion in the Marvel Universe proper. Um, the spoiler scene at the end uh, of him talking to Thor was great. great. Um, It was very Doctor Strange. Very Doctor Strange. Very cool. Um, The the other teaser at the end with Baron Mordo finally being the fucking bad guy that we knew he was going to become I thought was very cool. Um, I really, really enjoyed the film. But it's, it's one that you have to sit with for a while. This is not the movie, like, when everybody walked out of Captain America's Civil War with just dragging their jaw behind them because it was firmly on the floor, this is not that movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this, is not, this is not that. It is a very, very different beast entirely. So, I mean, 10 out of 10 would recommend. But 
Yeah, absolutely. You know. Some, everybody would be uh, be beyond proud to have produced this themselves. Oh yeah, I mean, like that being said, like this is one of the one of the lower tier Marvel movies, which still makes it better than damn near anything. Pretty much, yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to uh, that's going to wrap up issue 110 of the Paper Cuts podcast. Thanks again. A little bit longer this time, but thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it. Announce the guy. Say a couple things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, announcer guy. If you want to get in touch with any of us, tell us what did you think about Doctor Strange? What did you think about the books that came out this week? You can follow us on various social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Dan. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt. You can follow Dean on Twitter at Kimono underscore Vestlord. And if you want to just send us a general mail, that's mail at geekade.com. Join us again next week when we have a whole new slew of books to talk about. Until that time, for Dean DeFalco, for Matt Much, for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan. And...